You're listening to the Classic Gamers Guild Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Classic Gamers Guild Podcast. I am very sorry that we missed an episode last week. Uh, it was hot off the heels of the Quest for Kidney fundraiser, and uh, basically... That took all of the time and energy to uh, get that together and execute that. So pretty much just didn't have anything left in me to uh, record an, uh, an episode that week. So here we are. We're back. Uh, everything's good now. I know I say that every time and that always jinxes it, but I think we're good to go. How are you doing, Anna? <laughs> I think I, I'm good to go. I, I've recovered. It was it was a lot of excitement doing the uh, charity stream. I'd never... Uh, done a live stream before so total first for me yeah it was um it was a lot it was good it, it went really well went a lot smoother than i really expected it we had any reason to but it was uh it did go well you did great everyone did great uh i, I am just a little bit exhausted because of the stress of going into it <laughs> and uh having to pick up two extra segments so i basically streamed for three hours across the however like half the day so yeah that's that's why i i so yeah um I, I totally take it on my shoulders as to why uh, we didn't have an episode last week. That was entirely my burnout, and I just could not um, go through with uh, anything recording-wise. It had nothing to do with all the hot sauce you ate every time somebody donated $10 or $50, though, did it? Um, No, that went over pretty quickly. That was... Um, tough guy. You know... I gotta say, I for those of you who missed it, I uh, I was providing uh, donation incentives by uh, consuming a ghost pepper hot sauce that I just happened to have sitting in my fridge, uh, and that should kind of tell you something that I just happened to have ghost pepper hot sauce sitting in my fridge. So I do really like hot sauces, and I will say that as far as super hot ghost pepper sauces go. I was a little bit surprised that this was definitely on the lower end of the spectrum. Uh, I think I've had habanero sauces that were spicier than this. So it was pretty cut down, but it was still really hot in the moment. It just didn't nearly destroy me the way I've had other sauces destroy me. The next morning. Both. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I've, I've had I've had a chicken wing that I couldn't I could. I had to really force myself across like half an hour to finish because it was that hot. You were determined though. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, <laughs> I, I, I do have that sense of um, stubborn pride. But if last week was an episode that should have been, this week we're going to talk about games that should have been. We are going to be talking about games that we really think should have existed, but just for whatever reason... They didn't, and there may or may not be a reason why they didn't, but we just really wish that they did. I guess the stipulation of our choices is that we basically have to uh, co conceptualize these games as being a product of the time period in which they should have come out. So if you're basing it on a movie, you would assume that this would come out around the time that the movie came out and um, base it on the trends and technology that was available at that time. Make sense? Exactly. Uh, hopefully, we'll see what we've got. Yes. All right. <laughs> so, um, I know you have thought of this far more than I did. So, uh, <laughs> why don't we start with you while I start thinking about what I'm going to say? 
All right. Well, uh, let's go back in time. Uh, I'm not sure how many of you watched Punky Brewster. Did you watch it, Rick? I definitely watched Punky Brewster. If you had asked me to confirm that with proof, I absolutely do not remember anything about it other than, yes, I did actually watch it, if that makes <laughs> sense. Like, I, I, I know, like, so many things from my childhood. I know that I watched it. But if you said, like, do you remember this or tell me something you remember about it? I'm like, no, no, I have I have no recollection of it anymore, I, except that I did. Except that you did. I felt the same way about WKRP in Cincinnati. I yes. tried having a conversation with somebody about it. I'm like, oh, yeah, that show. I totally remember that show. They're like, do you remember this person? I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah, I remember <laughs> of it. I remember yeah. of My Pet Monster and uh, Fraggle Rock and... You know, I, they were I remember things we that watched. I watched the raccoons. <laughs> All good shows. So Punky Brewster, uh, if uh, a game was to be made about them, uh, it would be uh, Punky, Henry and the gang are back in a fun filled PC adventure. I think that would make a good title. Fair Start enough. it up. Actually, for, for people who might not remember, such as myself, what Punky Brewster is, why don't you explain to us what Punky Brewster is? Oh, right. So there's this cute little girl who got abandoned by her mother and she moved into an empty apartment building and the landlord, this grumpy old photographer named Henry Warnamount, uh, found her in the empty room and long story short, adopted her and she made friends in the apartment and he made friends in the apartment and they insulted each other and, and had fun. And that was the show for a couple of seasons. All right. That, that sounded like a pretty dark beginning. It's pretty dark on and off all the way through there. His, his photography studio burns down at one point. You know, she gets taken away by the city and put into orphanages and, you know, all sorts of things. I guess making friends with a vagrant child and having a <laughs> photography studio kind of put them together and it's a little bit off. But um, <laughs> different times back then. We didn't question it such really things. Was, no, but you know, the game isn't going to be quite as heavy handed. It, it takes a mix of Punky Brewster, the show and Punky Brewster, the get the cartoon for uh, anybody who liked the show. They might have perhaps checked out the cartoon that came out shortly thereafter that had absolutely nothing to do with the show, except for they had all of the same characters. Uh, and uh, they also had a, a leprechaun gopher. <laughs> that was magical. So awesome. That was a thing. So, okay, we're going to go back to the game. Uh, <laughs> so, meet Glomer the Leprechaun Gopher as he helps Henry Warnamont rescue Punky and her friends, Margot, Sherry, and Alan. So, okay, imagine this the Leprechaun Gopher is helping the grumpy photographer to find the kids that have been kidnapped from the evil by the evil spirit of the Perilous Lake. So grab your trusty camera and be prepared for a lot of annoying advice as you blast off into Brewsterland in an animated side-scrolling platform adventure puzzler by ID Software. Id Software. Is that how it's pronounced? It's Did I just id. learn something new? It's really? id, yeah. It really is? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, because it's named after the id, which is one of the three divisions of the psyche and psychoanalytic theory that is completely unconscious and is a source of psychic energy derived from instinctual needs and drives. I did not read off the page of the dictionary website. I think <laughs> I've had at least 70% of my pronunciations for game companies wrong up until this point. Thank you. 
<laughs> uh, I, I think everyone makes that mistake at one time or another. I was fortunate enough to have been corrected very early on when I uh, called it ID and somebody um, stepped right in and said, nope, it's actually id. And if you look at the way it's spelled, it is generally spelled with lowercase letters to, um, oh. just to just to prove that it's id and not ID. That makes a lot of sense. In my notes, I've written it with uppercase letters. I can see where I made the mistake. <laughs> Spelling semantics makes a difference. <laughs> yeah, it's a great show. You know, Vincent Price was in an episode. Uh, you know, it was scary. There was uh, one of them got eaten by something in the wall. Yeah, it was really good. Nice. Do you remember yeah, Small so Wonder? Oh, fuck, I love that show. Yeah, I do remember that. I, I again don't Small remember very much, but I remember all the characters in it. I just don't remember anything that they did. Yeah, Vicky was the robot, and she had the little brother, and her her dad was a scientist. He's the one that invented her. And remember, there was an evil Vicky. I was later. just thinking about that. That was the I I just while you were talking, I was like, wait, there's one thing I remember, and there is like the one uh, you know I I think uh, Vicky's character consistently throughout the series talks like a robot and acts like a robot, and they designed yes. one like a newer model that talks like a kid, but then she like um, corrupted and uh, turned evil and went rogue. <laughs> that's so good. <laughs> no, that, that's the best. Everybody remembers that for Small Wonder. And from Punky Brewster, uh, almost everybody, if they do remember an episode, it's the episode where Margot and Punky are playing hide and seek and she gets locked in a fridge. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't know that one. <laughs> yeah, she suffocates. They found her passed out in the fridge and they did this like safety PSA at the end of the episode. Dear Lord. Yeah. The extents that they go through to teach us stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah. Small Wonder was good. Out of this world. Did you ever see that one? Um, By name, I recall it. And you could pause I... time. Shink by oh, like touching okay. your fingers together. And your dad was together? an yeah. alien. Yeah. 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 And uh, they are the reason why Out of This World was renamed to Another World. Really? Oh, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Cool. Uh, the, the game, of course, I'm referring yeah. to. But um, okay, so yeah, I, I, I'm sure now, now that I remember all this stuff, uh, I'm sure that uh, Small Wonder could have had has some sort of a game in there somewhere. Maybe like a boy in his blob, except your guy in the robot girl or something i don't know yeah, um, you have to somehow make her become more human throughout the course of the game <laughs> by like giving her these human abilities she has to collect to fa pass each level but then uh but then by the time you get her acting like a real girl she'll go rogue <laughs> yeah and then the, the second half of the you, game is like trying to save the world from her you build your own end boss <laughs> yes <laughs> that's perfect um, but that was not actually my choice. That was um, something I just came up now to be a bit of a dick. But um, um, this is a bit of a cop out because I am sourcing back to the Alice in Wonderland book, mm. um, which kind of predates video games. So I can basically have free reign to choose when it's going to come out. Um, and it's a little bit... Uh, I, I I sound kind of broken record because we had just got done talking about American McGee's Alice. Um, but uh, I think it'd be cool because as I had uh, previously established, that is actually one of my favorite books ever uh, for the way it's written. And I think a point and click adventure. Um, I don't know if it should be made by LucasArts or Sierra. Um, 
but I do think it should be some sort of a point and click adventure. Uh, I think that the style would work really well as a LucasArts ish kind of game, but, um, uh, especially it would require having the narrator, uh, for a flavor text, as opposed to LucasArts usually has like the protagonist break the fourth wall to describe things. Mm -hmm. So if you could have kind of like a Sierra style narrator, with a LucasArts style of game, I think that uh, Alice in Wonderland would be make uh, awesome point and click adventure because there is so much. Uh, I, I think it would actually be a better translation than you could possibly do to any movie because the 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 problem with trying to adapt it into a film is that the entire beauty and the humor of Alice in Wonderland is entirely in the narrative text which you can't really capture very well. Uh, and even if you did just have like a voiceover explain it all, it, it would not be uh, quite the same. So if you start interacting with the world and uh, you get, you know, these um, dialogue boxes and text windows with the narrator's voice describing sort of um, Alice's view of the world or her, you know, her worldview, it would, um, I, I think that's probably actually the best possible way to adapt the original Alice in Wonderland story. Man, that has a lot of potential. That'd be a really pretty game. Mm -hmm. And even for bonus points, you know, perhaps, you know, break away from LucasArts and Sierra, you know, if we could just completely revise history, just have American McGee make this as sort of like the, uh, as leading up to American McGee's Alice. <laughs> so like, you know, just do it, play it completely straight. Like just do it, do it exactly as intended by, uh, whatever Lewis Carroll mm -hmm. and, um, just play it completely straight. And then, uh, maybe a sequel through the looking glass. And then like the third part of the trilogy will be American McGee's Alice where it just gets completely warped and corrupted. <laughs> yeah. When the Jabberwocky comes into play, everything always goes a bit wild. Yeah. So. Uh, and it would it would make sense because if you're going to do like um, a point and click adventure at the time when point and click adventures were really kind of peak, that would put it in about the uh, mid to late nineties. Mm -hmm. So just just in time for American McGee's Alice to be a timely successor. Yeah, that'd be so pretty. I would play that game in a second. I'm surprised nobody even did that. I mean, it, it suits that genre so well. Yeah, you know, I looked it up because I sort of thought like you know. Someone's got to have done something like this. And uh, as far as my three seconds of research revealed, um, the only real attempt at Alice in Wonderland other than American McGee's Alice um, was a hidden object game, which um, I'm, I'm not going to be elitist or anything, but um, I probably am not going to play that game. <laughs> no. Me neither, I'm afraid. I'd rather play your game, Rick. <laughs> Why, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> um, yeah, so that, that would be Alice in Wonderland, the point-and-click adventure. Mm -hmm. Would you need to add anything else to the title, or would it just be called Alice in Wonderland, the point-and-click adventure? Um, Al just Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. Why, you wouldn't need anything else. You, it, mm -hmm. it says Alice in Wonderland. It's in a big box. You would know exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no Disney-like cartoons. It would be better than that. No. 
No. But so, it would be uh, it would be probably uh, you know it, when I pictured in my head the reason why I sort of say it'd be more of like a LucasArts style is that I kind of see it in that sort of presentation like a Sam and Max or a Day of the Tentacle kind of um, uh, kind of style. Mm-hmm. Oh, those are beautiful. I mean, I, I played the remake of the Day of the Tentacle. It's fun to switch back and forth and see the scenes. Mm-hmm. But uh, I like the original style. Yeah. They're, they're both really cool. That That's a remake I can really, or a remaster I can really get behind because it does, um, it, it does really keep up the, the look of the game, uh, and really cleans it up and just kind of like, you know, it's sometimes hard to even notice unless you like flip back and forth immediately to really tell exactly how different it is. And then you realize that they're very different, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's for sure but yeah it brings in the kids they they want to look over and see what you're playing it's colorful it's sassy it's interesting so yeah so uh yeah all right well uh i guess i'll go on to my next one here yes please do that uh so i've got uh, kids in the hall in the style of monty python's complete waste of time <laughs> so uh this one's called kids in the hall have a nice day which is a sort is of a it, play off of in their movie, you know, the pills that made everybody have a nice day. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. I, I was going to ask if that was a reference because I did not actually see that movie. No, I, I own the movie on VHS. So if you ever want to watch it, come over and I'll pull out the old VCR. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> so yeah, this is a collection of mini games, uh, screensavers, desktop wallpapers, and icons for your DOS, Mac, or Windows system. Nobody's elitist here. Uh, <laughs> it's voice. It's uh. You know, if you can get it on the uh, Windows system on CD, it's voiced by the original cast. Uh, but otherwise, you're you're stuck with the disc version. You're you're just gonna have uh, subtitles up. But uh, the games are the Head Crusher, where you get to smoosh the flat heads. That one's oh, fun. Oh, awesome! Yes, <laughs> you can uh, help Chicken Lady make a fresh omelet. Don't ask. <laughs> and uh, find out if you agree with Thirty Helens. Ah. I, I don't know that one. Yeah, it's it's pretty much that's what it's about. 30 Helens, you ask them questions. So we're looking at late, late 80s to mid 90s for Kids in the Hall. So yeah, that makes yeah. about that about makes sense. Yeah, I, I think, uh, yeah, 1991, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. It'd be a fun game that nobody would really want unless they were huge fans. But, you know, some people might even still own their CDs now if that happened. Yeah, because I I guess that would probably be kind of similar to Bart's Nightmare, which I think was ninety two. So it'd be like right around that time. I think, um, you know, uh, so it wouldn't be out of the ordinary for a party game or a mini game collection to sort of um, be uh, at, at that particular era. Exactly, and it's comedy, a little bit of Canadian fun going on there. There must have been Canadian developers doing stuff like that back then that liked a bit of raunchy comedy. What else would actually? I'm trying to think now. What would be some good uh, things to throw on there? I, I know limitations. You probably wouldn't be able to have too many, but uh, there are some. There are probably some really cool sketches that you could uh, incorporate into a game of some sort. Was it one? Was that um? What what, what game is it? Would they play with the Eradicator? Do you mm. remember that guy? Yeah, I can't remember his name though. So you could do like uh. What else was there? Cabbage head? Something to do with trying to get the cabbage on his head. <laughs> what? Okay, there's so much gets... I don't remember. I, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I didn't watch too much of the show because um, there were quite a... There's, 
every time I watch a show, there would be like one really great sketch and the rest mm-hmm. would just be kind of like, eh. And it was a little bit before our time. Like I only got into it because my friend's older brother was like a super fan. Right. Yeah. I, I remember always wanting to watch it. I just don't remember very many uh, really sticking with me. Obviously the uh, squishing your head guy. Uh, that's uh, that's iconic. I, I remember, uh, I, I don't know if you can really turn this into a, into a uh, mini game, but I remember the uh, one of my favorite sketches like ever was the uh, the what's it called the girl drink drunk. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think the eradicator right. was um, was it volleyball or tennis or something like that. He was like this, I don't know, some guy in a ski mask who was like this uh, this badass volleyball player or something. Squash was it? Squash. Maybe it was squash. It could have been. I I really don't remember at this point. I I just remember. Um, I don't know. It, it's all just so bizarre. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was squash. I think I remember that. The eradicator. It was the mask. Yes. Oh my god, that's ridiculous. <laughs> Pastel colors and the mask. Yeah. It was. I I sorry. It was. It would be either squash or volleyball. I can't remember which one it was. I just. It, it's yeah. been so long ago. It's been literal decades. Sorry, we can look it up when we're done the episode and be like, oh, it was neither of the two. <laughs> yeah, probably. It's like <laughs> dodgeball. I don't know. I know it wasn't dodgeball, but uh, the saying will probably be mm-hmm. something. Anyways, we'll we'll just agree that we're mutually incorrect on this one and move on. Sounds safe. <laughs> All right. What's what's your next uh, pick for games here? Um. Okay. Well, you know, I I thought about this, and um, yeah. I, I, I've established this a few times, possibly even on this show, but I've established this uh, in the forums quite a bit. Um, and I say it kind of facetiously, and I know that they're not really the same thing, but one of my picks that I decided not to actually go with, so this is kind of just an honorable mention, is a uh, Red Dwarf adventure game because it would just kind of be Space Quest. And uh, I know it's <laughs> I know it's going to be different because, you know, you got characters like Lister, Rimmer, and Crichton, and Cat, and that's, like, what makes Red Dwarf, right? And Holly. And um, so I, I, I know it's, like, not... You, you can only have one or the other and there's not room for both. Of course, there's room for both, but I'm just saying that for me to describe a Red Dwarf game, I'd basically just be describing Space Quest. So that's mm-hmm. honorable mention. That'd be great. I would welcome it, but it's not something to base an episode on. No, no, uh, I would play it, though. I, I'm surprised there isn't one, uh, too. Like, with such a nerdy fan base, I mean, never uh, until entering uh, the land of looking at where other people that played video games that were classic games hung out, did I realize how many of them knew about Red Dwarf. Yeah, yeah. Um, It, it is weird. Like, I, I wonder, because I, I kind of stopped it there, so I didn't actually even research to see if there might have been a game. I really don't think there was one, though. I think there was an app. They did a, a little app game that I tried, and, and it's just about guiding the spaceship, but it actually has their voices. That's right. It. I don't remember if I said this anywhere other than like in a private chat, but uh, there is a character from Red Dwarf, um, a character within Red Dwarf, in fact, because it's like one of the video game characters uh, when the red when the characters in the show go into a video game. Uh, it's the um, uh, the gunmen of the apocalypse episode and they go into the video game and one of the playable characters in there was dangerous Dan McGrew, which um, was referenced in fallout by one of the characters in fallout 
being named Dangerous Dan McGrew. Oh, such a good Easter egg. Yeah. And it's great, too, because it's like, uh, I, d- I don't remember exactly how important he was to the story, but it was definitely a character that you pretty much have to encounter. And you talk to him, and I, I just remember, uh, you know, that's one of my favorite episodes of Red Dwarf ever. So mm-hmm. I just happened to be like the uh, the ideal demographic for getting that one joke. Exactly. <laughs> well, you got the joke. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think that was actually the moment. Like already, Fallout was a great game. I think that was like the moment that solidified it as her. Like this is now my favorite game of all time. <laughs> Mm -hmm. (laughs) or one of them it's like it's up there but it was just like as soon as i saw that i'm like these are my people my people have made a game (laughs) (laughs) well yeah i have an honorable mention too i was going to say it would be perfect if somebody did a game about return to oz because we were talking about that not that long ago on the uh podcast Mm. with mike of uh games my mom found podcast and uh but no in 19 86 they actually did a, a game uh the plot and its adaptation is actually rather faithful to the movie uh but for example when you're in uh, dr worldly's clinic you have to find the tinderbox before going on to the operating table you don't just mm. get strapped to the operating table right away you need to uh, find a way to escape right and, uh, oh so there actually uh, is a game already yeah then. it's an awkward kind of choose your command style game you could kind of say it was made in a style similar to but a lot simpler than maniac mansion which led me into my next game idea i know you said we might not have time for three but i really need to do this no we're fine we're good (laughs) (laughs) so my last one uh little shop of horrors oh uh, good one so that would be a 1987 graphic adventure video game developed by frank oz productions in the style of maniac mansion Okay. Uh, so you can choose to play the game as Seymour the Helpless Botanist uh, or Audrey the Sexy Showgirl, uh, Mr. Mushnick the Wise but Hot-Headed Storekeeper, or Orvin Scrivillo DDS the Sadistic Dentist. Wait, he's playable? He's playable. (laughs) Makes this game so much cooler. Yeah, no, he's not a bad guy in this one. Use drill on men. (laughs) To take a few liberties with the storyline. but So these guys are going to work together to save New York City from a race of alien plants that are uh, blood-craving cross between a Venus flytrap and a butterwort. Right. Yes. Sorry, it took me a second. That's, um, yeah, that's actually, uh... That that's about fitting because in Maniac Mansion there is a little plant that uh, is reminiscent of an Audrey too that uh-huh. you kind of uh, feed and it grows, uh, not yeah. to the same extent <laughs> as Audrey too did, but um, it it was I I feel like it was uh, um, close enough to be considered a reference to Little Shop. Have you actually seen the uh, Little Shop of Horrors director's cut? where they have the alternative ending, or even the movie at all? Oh, yeah, I've seen the movie a bunch of times. And mm-hmm. um, I think I probably watched the alternate ending um, maybe once or twice. I uh, I know how it's supposed to end because I've actually seen a couple of different stage productions, mm-hmm. uh, which is what that alternate ending is based on. And I do have to say that I kind of like the happier ending a lot better. Even though you I know that- and like 99% of the test audience. Well, yeah, but I, this, this is the one of the few times I actually agree with the test audience. Mm-hmm. And, and I know that the original ending, or at least as far as the musical that it was based on, I, I, I didn't get make it all the way through 
the uh, original film, the black and white. But um, I know that the musical, which it's based on, it ends with the sad ending, which mm-hmm. I don't know. I just I, I think it doesn't. I think the the point of the movie is punctuated a lot more and a lot better uh, when they do get the happier ending. The sad ending makes the whole movie bloody pointless, really, other than the fact that he got the plant and made it bigger. Everything else around it is unnecessary mm-hmm. at this point. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think it, there is that sort of that message of like, you know, he had to defeat the um, n- not just Audrey 2, but what Audrey 2 represented. And then he was able to, you know, live a life of happiness as a result. Mm-hmm. And you don't mm-hmm. quite get that. I, I get what they're going with. Oh, he got consumed by it all. And it's like, yeah, okay. But you could have also given us a happy ending too. And it would have had just as much, if not more of an impact. I only ever knew about the happy ending. And then I got a copy of the movie and it said director's cut. And I didn't think anything of it. And I'm watching the movie <laughs> and it gets to the point where everything's different. And I start looking around and there was nobody else in the room. But I'm I'm looking at everybody <laughs> who's not in the room. And I'm just like, what is happening? And I'm like, am I sleeping? This is because I've I've watched the movie my whole life i have all the songs memorized this is just i just couldn't believe it and pinching myself and and then i sort of had to go to the internet and say what the hell is happening here i'm so confused and and i realized that it was one of the most (laughs) expensive endings for a movie warner brothers had ever done up until that point only for it to get canned because audiences were like oh no this is bad did they actually release a director's cut where that was just fully built into the movie they did, yeah. I have, uh, wow. I happen to have a copy of it on DVD. My dad came across it at a, a vintage store. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah I, I, un- I never unopened. actually saw it. Yeah, I always saw the um, uh, the original version and then like uh, the deleted se- or the alternate ending as like a uh, as a bonus feature. Mm-hmm. Um, but a nice little uh, connectivity here, since I was just talking about Red Dwarf. Did you know that the actor who plays Cat has a brief cameo in the Little Shop of Horrors? I didn't until I was looking things up for this episode. <laughs> but yeah, he was he was one of the singer guys. Yeah, very blinkety miss it. He's no attention drawn to him particularly. He just um, very easy to miss if you aren't looking specifically for him. But it's totally him. Yep, Danny Jules, that's him. Mm-hmm. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. Like that's all you'll ever see from now on when you watch exactly. That. A few. This movie continues to blow my mind decade after decade, just like some of the games I've played. <laughs> mm-hmm. Was that your final pick? Uh, yeah, that was my final pick. You All got right. another one, right? I, I do have one more. Um, and I'm actually really surprised about this one because it was actually planned. And I, in all my research, I was not able to find out why it didn't happen. But um, Kill Bill was going to be made, turned into a video game even before it was released. In 2002, Black Label Games uh, had struck a deal to make the uh, video game adaptation of Kill Bill, which was released in 2003. So mm-hmm. um, they had this plan that um, the a video game adaptation would release alongside the DVD release of the movie. And um, I have no idea what that game would be. Uh, if I were to choose, given that particular time frame, I would say it would be kind of like a sort of Grand Theft Auto-ish style, because that's sort of like when, I believe it was 2000 or 2001 when Grand Theft Auto 3 came out. You get Uma and, Thurman to do some voicing in it. Mm-hmm. That'd be and, great. And um, I, I, I think it would just really lend well to 
what was at that time a very fresh genre. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, uh, we all we all see exactly how um, that kind of changed the scope of gaming from then mm-hmm. on. But uh, you know, at that time, it was very fresh. It was very exciting and fun. And um, uh, and I think that it, if I can't really think of very many other uh, genres that Kill Bill could really make a seamless transition into. So you know, except for like a uh, you know third person sandboxy kind of thing. Of course, there would be um, what's the word? Of course, there would be liberties you take with the source material just to expand it a little bit. Um, but it would be about you. You know, kind of a little bit more hybridized with an adventure too, because it, w- it wouldn't be qu- like you know, you you there would be the sandbox element where you could do whatever you want, but it would also be about like trying to track down these uh, five people and uh, trying to um, you know fight your way to them and eventually kill them off one by one. And um, yeah, I just think you'd be uh, you know a- as opposed to GTA where it is very gun focused. You know, this one would obviously be a lot more based on, uh, you know, swords and such. It would definitely be a little bit simpler than what we're used to in terms of, like, a Grand Theft Auto-style game because it would pretty much be uh, uh, melee between swords and uh, kung fu. But, um, you know, so kind of like Buffy, basically. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the Buffy game on the Xbox? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, kind of like that. So it would would it be kind of ultra-violent as in a little bit risque for its time period? Would that have been its selling point? I think the the other thing that kind of makes it really suitable for a Grand Theft Auto style is that sort of um, cartooniness to the violence. Mm-hmm. It'll be super violent, but also kind of have that uh, kind of a cartoonishness to it. Which makes it okay. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and like I said, I, I did not realize that this was actually supposed to be a thing. I was curious as to why Kill Bill was never turned into a game. I looked it up and... Um, uh yeah, it was planned for a 2004 release, and it, all all I know is that it got canceled. It obviously didn't get made, and I have absolutely no idea why, and I have no idea what it was supposed to be. But if we're talking about games that should have been, I definitely think that's probably what makes sense in my head. The funny thing is that they actually turned Reservoir Dogs into a game uh, <laughs> instead, <laughs> or I don't, know, I don't I don't know like in in place of, but I mean they there's a Reservoir Dogs game for some reason. Wow. And I would imagine a few iconic scenes, yeah, yeah, I imagine would translate well into games. <laughs> Can you imagine like a, a little mini game of like make sure you cut the ear off properly or something like that? It's like <laughs> I don't know exactly what game you turn into. I actually, uh, I mean, I own the game. I just never actually played it. Um, <laughs> I, I bought the PC version like a year ago from a thrift store, so you know, I, I totally missed the boat on actually playing the game. But, but now it, you at least it, can say you own it. I at least can say I own it. But I honestly, I, I should play it just to see what it's like. Because I honestly don't know why Reservoir Dogs would get a game adaptation of Kill Bill isn't going to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that's a weird choice, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and um, so that, yeah, that would be about my... That'd be about my picks. The, the only thing I kind of stumble across is that, as we all know, uh, Kill Bill was released in two volumes. Uh, volume 1 and Volume 2 are very different from each other, both mm-hmm. in tone, presentation, and genre. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it'd be kind of interesting to see if, like, oh, I don't know, how's this going to be? Is it going to be, like, uh, 
a GTA style for like the first half of the game and then turn into a point and click adventure some <laughs> at some point in the middle or something or like I don't know how that's going to work but uh you know cuz you can't really you know the second half of the you know volume 2 is far less of a GTA style kind of a story than volume 1 was you so. could do the genre mixing kind of like you did with Alex, you know, leading up with the adventure going up into a, the RPG style. So <laughs> something like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that's that's about all I have to say on that. Is there any uh, final thoughts on games that should have been made? No, I mean, I, I had a few others on my list I thought could have been fun. Uh, Little Orphan Annie, but in the style of a kid's game where you click on different items around the orphanage and it'll either play a song or make a noise. And, uh, you know, it, it's part political <laughs> and part social and part musical, just like the movie. Um, there's, there's another one, actually, sorry, uh, one that I totally scrapped. I didn't really think I would even mention it, but here we are. Um, <laughs> I was actually thinking about the possibility of kind of a um, uh, Roadrunner and Wile E. Coyote, but as sort of a um, The Incredible Machine kind of game. And I, as soon as I thought of that, I suddenly remembered, and there's no reason why I should have forgotten this to begin with, because I played it quite a lot myself, is that there was a game called Sid and Al's Incredible Tunes, Mm. which was basically The Incredible Machine, but a cartoon variant of it which sounds a lot better on paper than it was in execution (laughs) but at the same time that's pretty much as good of a game as you could really expect given that premise so it's kind of like you know they did as best they could with it it just turns out that it wasn't really that great of an idea to begin with so (laughs) (laughs) you can only do so much with a mediocre idea (laughs) yeah yeah so there's there's if you you want to play a game like that it's a cat and mouse game said now's incredible tunes um and it's basically the incredible machine i think uh isn't the incredible machine on gog now i think yes i, I heard it was now available for oh it's been available for a while I've, I've owned it for um for some time i played like a couple of uh, uh I, I played it for a couple of minutes and um um i i think i like my memories of that game a lot better than playing it now <laughs> i have the cd my kids have all played it they like it it's it's great. It is a great game. I just not saying I want to play now at this particular time of my life. Games like that are really good at telling you you have no patience anymore. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, um, how about you all? What do you think are some games that you really think should have been made, but for whatever reason, just never did? Let us know. We're on Facebook. We have a page and a group. You can uh, follow us on Twitter at the CG Guild and let us know there. Uh, be sure to at us. You can write us at mail at classicgamersguild.com. Uh, we sometimes make appearances on Instagram at CGG Podcast. And we are also on Patreon if you would like to uh, financially support the show. We don't do this for uh, any financial gain, but it's always welcome. Uh, just track us down, Classic Gamers Guild. And yeah, um, it's been a while since I've said all that, so I'm really stumbling my way through it. Uh, I think I covered it all. Sounds good to me. So give us the final word. Save early, save often. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> but should we do murders? We'll leave that to you to decide.
don't do a murder.